Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, and today we are lucky enough to be joined by Corey Tulliba of No Ceilings NBA and the Draft Jack podcast. And Alex, we cover a lot of ground with him at right around 40 minutes. Yeah, it's it's a really great episode. We start off by asking him who his favorite prospect is for the Knicks in their range, and uh, he'll get into why those two players are A.J. Griffin and Johnny Davis. We get into a lot of other discussions with him about how some guys have risen on his board, how some guys have fallen on his board during the draft process. We get into a lot of superlatives at the end and finally finish off with some second round sleepers that Corey offers up for the Knicks at pick 42. So it's all coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, up. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. Knicks and we want to thank you for making Locked on Knicks your first listen today and every day. We are now available on all platforms, including on YouTube. So you can see our smiling faces. Uh, you can see Corey Tulliba's smiling face. He's a YouTube veteran. He, he knew when to have all the reactions, all, all the appropriate facial expressions to make one weird one for our thumbnail. That's a little inside baseball for you guys. But anyways, who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw. I'm a play-by-play broadcaster, uh, mostly off for the summer, but my Mix in a couple of things. He's, of course, Alex Wolf, the editor-in-chief of The Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there. You can check them out on all social media at thestrick.land. And without further ado, because it's a really great episode, let's get right into it with Corey Tulliba. All right, guys, as promised, we are joined by the fantastic Corey Tulliba of No Ceilings NBA and the Draft Act Pod. Uh, Corey, uh, appreciate you coming back today, man. We had a blast with you you and Albert, your co-host, uh, last time around. Uh, hopefully going to do it again. Uh, first of all, I just want to start by asking, man, how, how are you holding up? I, I feel like I see all, all the No Ceilings guys on about 36 podcasts a week, and it, it just just seems exhausting. Yeah, we uh, are, we have a little saying uh, in the group, uh, No Ceilings is everywhere. So we try to live the, uh, the motto. So, I mean, look, we're like a week away from the draft. This is... This is what we do. This is the time. This is what we signed up for. This is what we live for. This is what we work for all year. Um, everybody, you know, is tired from all of the hard work that we've been doing, you know, behind the scenes. Um, but there's no complaints when you love what you're doing. So, you know, this is the time of the year that we really get to shine. So we're 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 getting our, our second dose of energy. We drink a ton of coffee and and we just get after it. Nice. All right. Well, well you're, you're nearing the deadline, as are the uh, New York Knicks and their fans who are eagerly awaiting uh, who the name is going to be at number 11. It, it seems pretty clear at this point the Knicks, it may be in their perfect world, would try and trade up to number four to go get Jaden Ivey. I don't know how feasible that is at this point. Assuming they do stay at 11, let's just start here. Who do you think is is sort of the dream realistic option for them at this point? So for me... Uh, you know, I guess I'll say two names, but, uh, I'll start with AJ Griffin, uh, and I'll add Johnny Davis, uh, two guys who I think, you know, you see in all of the mocks and, you know, you hear whispers, whatever, that they might be available at this pick. 
those are two guys that I have higher than the Knicks pick. Like AJ Griffin is going to end up being the third prospect on my personal big board. So if he's actually available to the Knicks, that means one of two things. It means one, maybe his medicals are, are bad because he does have an injury history. Personally, I've heard, um, and it, you know, not recent Intel, but in, in the last couple of months, I heard that that issue was overblown. So, uh, it could mean that, or it could mean, um, that teams aren't buying that an 18 year old kid who missed a COVID season and had an injury and then came in to a season injured is hopeless defensively, even though he has like every tool that you want from a modern NBA wing. So, uh, if he's available for, for the Knicks, especially his fit as a floor spacer, which I think the Knicks really need with Randall and RJ, um, I think he's an amazing fit because he doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective. And I think he just has a, an absolute ton of long-term potential. You know, to me, he's in the mold of like the, the Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler kind of wing. I've been watching the entire 2022 NBA playoffs and going, Oh yeah, those guys have a lot of success in uh, the modern NBA. So to me, if he was available, that would be an absolute home run. Yeah. I, you know, I wanted to ask you about, uh, about AJ and the medical part of it, right? Like, because, so I was, I was mentioning this before we started recording the show, but like Jonathan Wasserman, who is, uh, you know, someone we've had on the show, obviously very well connected in the draft community, whatever. And who tends to, every time we've interviewed him, he always says he tries to base his big boards and his mock drafts and stuff as much on Intel as like his own personal preferences. Uh, So, he had just gotten done saying like one day prior on Twitter, like, Oh, if AJ Griffin is there when the Knicks pick, he won't get by them. Um, You know, like count on it. Like if he makes it all the way there, he'll get taken by the Knicks. And then the very next day, released a a mock draft and had, I believe Malachi Branham going to the Knicks instead. And someone like went to him on Twitter. It's like, dude, what changed? You said just yesterday that (laughs) that, like AJ Griffin wasn't going to get past the Knicks. And he sort of gave a, like a, a nebulous, uh, just new intel. Like, that was it. So I'm kind of curious, like, how teams are feeling about him. I mean, it, you say that you, you profile him as hopefully, you know, in the mold of, like, a Butler-type wing. Uh, if he can't regain the elite athleticism, though, is is that even a possible outcome for him? Like, should we start looking at it more like, how can he impact the game as a small ball four? or something like that in that case where it would mitigate some of the defensive deficiencies a little bit. Cause I think we can all pretty safely say at this point, like the shooting looks great. The, you know, finishing, you know, he seems to just have that kind of guile about him. Like even without the elite, you know, hops and athleticism, he kind of had this RJ Barrett way about him this past year of just kind of finding his way to the rim and finishing with that huge frame that he has. But I think that on defense is where things start to get a little worrisome. Like I know that you said like, you know, Maybe let's not assume that someone who's 18 years old can't play defense because he didn't do it one year in college. But it's definitely concerning because he definitely didn't look that great on that end in college. So how, how do you feel about that? Like, is there is there anything that could have come from this pre-draft process, like from medical evaluation, like that if you could see it would sway you one way or the other? Do, or do you think that there's just like a really good chance that because he's so young and you know, played a season where he was recovering from an injury throughout the season, all that stuff that it's all just kind of overblown. And he should just based off youth and everything else, be able to reclaim his old athletic glory. 
I tend to lean that he, since he's so young, he's probably going to regain some of his old athleticism. I also think he played way more under control at Duke than he did in high school. Like in high school, he was like flying everywhere and he had no regard. Like sometimes, you know, kind of how Ja Morant like attacks the rim where you're just like, Ja, come on, man. Like I, you need to chill out like 15%, right? Or it's going to lead to something bad. Like AJ had a lot of that in high school where he would just be flying around and there's bodies that he's going to land on. And he definitely was more bouncy in high school, but I also think that he was just way more out of control. And so this year he was recovering from the injury. He played a little bit more control because he still had flashes of athleticism, in my opinion, where I was like, okay, he's pretty powerfully dunking above the rim here. And maybe it's not like with the ball in his hands where he's coming down the lane and like yamming on someone's head, but moving off ball, cutting, and then like getting up, cocking it back and throwing it down with, with power and, and bounce. So offensively, I feel like I saw that a little bit, especially because he really didn't have a ton of opportunity to do that with the ball in his hands. That wasn't his role at Duke. And then defensively, I think it mostly just had to do with uh, the fact that he needs to be coached up on that end. Uh, I, I think that he, again, showed a ton of flashes. Like I profiled him early in the year. I wrote about him and I highlighted a lot of the moments defensively where I was like, I see it. Like, yeah, there's things that he has to clean up, but like he's got, he's defending Isaiah Wong from Miami on an Island. Who's one of the shiftiest guards um, in his conference. And he just engulfs him with his length and, you know, his power and his size. And I, I think that he's going to get to a point when the NBA team that drafts him is like, all right, we want you to, maybe they want you to lean down a little bit. So you're not so heavy footed. Maybe we'll teach you like to not play so flat and maybe like, shadow a guy to a side a little bit so you're dictating what direction the uh, offensive player is going to go instead of letting them choose like again he missed two high school seasons and he's still one of the youngest players in the draft where he was playing catch up coming into the year in one of the best conferences in college basketball I wouldn't expect him to be this amazing defender because you you need reps to react quickly defensively a lot of times especially as a team defender where you know I think he he and the rest of the Duke blue devils struggled a little bit. Um, so I think he just needs way more reps and eventually I'm going to bet on the tools as far as the injury stuff. Like, I don't think this is a Michael Porter jr. Situation where he's coming off two back surgeries and like, it's real, real risk. Like it's a knee injury, an ankle injury. And I think that like he looked and moved well enough and was flexible enough this coming year where I'm like, all right, I think it's fine. Look, maybe behind the scenes, the medicals are coming back and it looks terrible. But, you know, with the Knicks specifically, I feel like they've probably had this guy's intel since he was a young kid. Like, uh, because Tom Thibodeau has worked with his father for years, like literally probably AJ's entire childhood. So I'm sure like he has a pretty, he has always had pretty good insight into what uh, AJ has like on and off the court and, you know, with the medicals and stuff. So uh, I do think one of the things about the Knicks since this new regime has taken over, though, is that they're very unpredictable on draft night. So for anybody to say this player won't make it past New York one way or the other, I actually think there's no evidence to suggest anybody is going to have any idea what they do because nobody saw quickly coming. Nobody saw uh, Quentin Grimes and the Knicks trading back and all of that. Maybe you could say those are later picks. Um Maybe that you could say, oh, we we knew Obi Toppin was was the target, but Obi also kind of dropped a little bit 
to the Knicks that night. So I think that the Knicks front office is a little bit more tight lipped than to say like this player won't make it past the Knicks. All right. We'll be right back with Corey getting into Johnny Davis and also some of his risers and fallers in the NBA draft so far. But NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app PrizePix. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. I love this app, and I know you will too. For one thing, it's easy to use. You just pick two to five players and over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals, and you can get the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. PrizePix also offers a variety of options. You can get any prop you can think of, from points scored to rebounds, even steals. PrizePix also allows mixed sport entries. So if you want to plan it around the NBA Finals, you could perhaps bet on Steph Curry made three-pointers and Pete Alonso RBIs in the same entry. Two pretty safe bets these days. And, you know, something maybe worth going after on Prize Picks. And Prize Picks doesn't just offer the NBA and the MLB. You can get any sports league pretty much that's going from basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. So there's plenty of options to create your entry on any given night. For a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point, just one, but you must use the code NBA. That is right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA to get $50 for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point. No, I think you're 100% right, because I remember last year we were freaking out when it got to the Knicks pick, and we were like, oh, Sharif Cooper is still on the board. Sharif Cooper's on the board. They're, they're going to go grab him, and then like, oh, no, they're, they're trading back. Oh, wait, he's still there. Oh, they're still not going to take yeah. him, man. Yeah, and it's like one of those things where like, you, you kind of assume you know what's going to happen going in, and, and the Knicks, to your point, their track record is taking certain types of players, but in terms of having like a certainty, they're, they're, there's no way. Johnny Davis, to me, though, would fit the mold of someone that they have drafted in the past in terms of his intensity, his basketball IQ, his work ethic, and how he would fit in with the current team. I guess my concern, and not not really a concern, but almost a devil's advocate with him, is I, I think the Knicks are starved for athleticism at the guard position about as much as any team in the league. And I know that, that's not, it's not like Johnny Davis is terrible in that capacity, but it's not necessarily his calling card. So I'm curious how you'd fit in with the Knicks. And, and maybe it gets to what I think was Albert. Albert was talking about last time he was on the podcast where, look, it may be, maybe if Griffin's there, that is your home run swing and you can take it. But at 11, you're probably not going to be able to do that anyway. So why not get someone who's a fantastic complimentary piece if you acquire that number one guy down the road or if RJ Barrett turns into that number one guy? Because I think playing off of someone, Johnny Davis, could be absolutely fantastic in the NBA. Yeah, I love Johnny. I I think that it would be a big mistake if he fell to the Knicks. Like I think teams would be making a mistake letting him him drop that far. He look, he's definitely not that above the rim, bouncy like athlete that um you would I guess ideally want. Like he's not Shaden Sharp, but when you look at a lot of the guys who are having success in this modern NBA, like it's way more about like versatility, skill, feel, you know, like those kind of things are are more important. Like, obviously you have to be a baseline good athlete. And I think Johnny meets that criteria. Like while he's not a, uh, a great like leaper, uh, I do think that he's like really quick 
I feel like he's got great footwork. He's slithery. Like his screen navigation is phenomenal. So he has like this functional basketball athleticism uh, that I think matters. And then like around the rim, he's very crafty. So yeah, it would be great if he could jump like Obi, but uh, if he did that, you're talking about somebody who's probably going in the top three and not possibly going to be available to the Knicks at 11. So I, I love his intangibles. Like I, I love the the way that he plays, the confidence, the kind of that chip that he has on his shoulder, the focus, the fact that he wasn't supposed to be a lottery pick this year. And I think he's cognizant of the fact that he wasn't supposed to be, and he appreciates that and is like going to use that to push him forward through his career that like he knows what it's like to not be on the radar really. Um, and I just think that he's the type of player that like, Knicks fans and New Yorkers would absolutely love. And he fits that same RJ mentality. And like this young group, this young core that feels like they are built for like the pressures of New York. And I think he would fit really well in that group. Yeah. The more I've been thinking about it, the more I think maybe he's got a little bit of like modern day John Starks in him when he just said like the, the humility and all that stuff that also made me kind of think of that, you know, granted it'll probably, Probably have a little less of like a, a hair trigger, you know, it seems like he plays a little more controlled than that. But mentality wise, uh, it certainly seems like, you know, that's that's sort of his mindset. You know, he, he wasn't a super high recruit, uh, you know, coming out of high school. He was like a three star, which, you know, is really good. The lands you at a D1 school, but isn't necessarily going to, you know, project you on a path to the NBA unless you work really hard and earn it. So, yeah, I could definitely see that. Uh, speaking of, you know, guys, though, that have moved up or down. We were kind of curious about who's been your biggest guys that have moved up and down. So let's start with up. Have you had a, a any guys that have moved up your board in recent weeks? We'll say maybe since the combine, uh, since we've been hearing things about the combine and um, you know the workouts and everything else. I'm sure that you know. I know the draft community is pretty. You know the information gets around and stuff like that. So. Have there been any guys that have have moved up your personal board, maybe even irrespective of the Knicks uh, in this draft process so far? Yeah, I think, well, one, like, and we already talked about AJ, I feel like I've just got more confident in the fact that moving him up, like I, and going against the grain is something I feel comfortable with. And while it wasn't like a massive leap for him, I think the higher and the closer you get to that number one spot, like it kind of, evens out like if somebody went from 20 to 10 versus like six to three uh but i would say ochai akbaji is a guy who who he probably moved up like five or six spots and and i tweeted something out probably like a month ago maybe it was a little bit more i'm losing track of time where after he won a national championship and you know i'm tracking the the draft stock of these prospects throughout the entire process uh like his draft stock had went down somehow like he won a national title and his draft stock went down and i was like this seems crazy to me Cause here we have a six, 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 seven wing with like excellent athleticism who is an above the rim guy who is a like really versatile plus shooter and can defend with a developing like off the bounce game. Who's gotten better every year in college. And somehow we're just like, he's 22. So he's done growing as a player, even though all evidence is contrary to that. And it seems like every year we undervalue these guys who have this winning pedigree and this, this ability to turn winning into a skill, um, especially the ones who fit the direction of the league. So he's moved up to like the 10 spot on my board. Um, 
because I just think like it's it's not like it's very similar to like, are you going to pass on Mikael Bridges for Kevin Knox? Because that's the conversation that we get <laughs> into every you know draft cycle that kind of decision ultimately like are you taking the guy who could be this thing versus the guy who has shown that he is probably more likely to be that thing that you're actually thinking the guy who with the potential is going to be and i feel like ochai is that guy in this class it seems like personally a trend for me every year is finding like that upperclassman who fits those trends and kind of overvaluing them compared to consensus. So he's moved up a bit. I feel like I was like going against my own philosophies and I was like, this guy is going to play in so many important basketball games throughout his career. What am I doing? Like I, this guy is gotten better. I think he's not, I don't think he's going to average 25 points a game, but if he can get to 18 points a game on 40% shooting play defense, that's going to be really, really valuable. And it's going to be a guy that you could play 35 minutes a game in the playoffs. So uh, to me, I, he's probably the guy who I've moved up the, you know, the most recently. Just, just in for the New York Knicks with a workout. So the timing is, is good. And yeah, it feels like, right. That's where the Memphis Grizzlies have, have killed it in recent yes. years where, where it's so additive getting those guys over and over and over again. And then you hit that home run with a John Morant and, and that double or triple with the Jaron Jackson Jr. And all of a sudden you've, you've eight of those guys around them and it turns into this great thing. All right, guys, we're going to wrap this podcast up with some draft superlatives. Who's the best shooter in the draft? Uh, who's the most creative player? Who's the best offensive and defensive feel? Who is the surest bet to be a star? Corey will answer all of those and give you four second round sleepers that could be great fits for the New York Knicks next. But if you want to bet on something else, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, news and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. But it's not just this year's NBA Finals. You can now bet on next year's NBA Finals. They have the Golden State Warriors at 11-2, the Boston Celtics at 6-1, the Brooklyn Nets at 7-1 as your favorites. Uh, one, one, one bit of odds that I absolutely love on there. The Denver Nuggets are 18-1. to They'll get back Jamal Murray. They'll get back Michael Porter Jr. Presumably add some other talent with the first-round pick they just acquired from the Thunder. Oh, man, I'm going to – I might have to go right after this podcast and throw some money down on that. You want to get really crazy that the New York Knicks are 150-1. to uh, That's a little much for me, but we'll see. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Um, so flipping that, uh, maybe maybe it's the Kevin Knox for you this year. Who's someone <laughs> that that the more you, you've looked at them, the more you've watched them, and, and you've kind of sat with it, and you're just like, oh, I just, I don't know if this guy's going to be it. I don't know if this guy's going to make it. Or maybe just my expectations of where I had him were a little too high. Yeah, so it de he's definitely not, like, for me, the, on the Kevin Knox level. But the guy I've soured on a little bit is Malachi Branham. Um, oh, because yeah, so I, you know, I did a, an episode on the Draft Act uh, podcast recently on Branham. And, you know, when we do, basically the show is like we do an hour on a prospect. So we just go really deep into their film and do an hour of scouting report. Uh, and when it was time to do his episode recently, um, and I guess like, you know, I'd watched him a lot because one, I had scouted him for watching him. And then I'm also watching Ohio State for EJ Liddell. So like, I felt like I had watched him a lot, but then I like really honed in on his defense. And I was like, oh, wow, he might be the worst defender in the top 20. And like by a wide margin, like it might not even be close. Like if you're worried about A.J. Griffin's defense, at least A.J. had flashes. 
kind of like gave good effort, would get into a stance, get in guys, and just like was bad with his technique sometimes. Malachi just doesn't really have like, he just doesn't really want to play it all that much. Like there's going to be no memes posted of like an x-ray with a dog in the heart. Like there's, there he doesn't have the dog in him, right? Like he's, he stays away from guys. And I guess he feels because he has good length that he can get a contest on, but he's not like making them uncomfortable. He's not in their shirt. He's not forcing them to one direction. He's not getting over screens. He's dying every time he gets hit by one. He's just very much relying on the fact that he has a 6'10 wingspan. And he's already not a guy who's very like athletic. Like he is smooth and he's got a really fun offensive game. And that's where I think a lot of the intrigue is because he was like efficient everywhere. And I still very much believe in him as an offensive prospect. But uh, when you get into his defense on the ball, which we just broke down, and then off the ball, where it's just like he has no idea what he's doing, he's nowhere near the right position ever. And he just doesn't show like, at least I'm trying to do it. Like, he's just like, eh, I'm done. And he's young. He's, he's very young. He's a freshman. Like, it's teachable. But the stuff that isn't really teachable is like, are you willing to go and, def- and like, want to defend every possession? That's kind of like, you either have that or you don't. And he seems like a guy who is just going to be kind of fine, hopefully one day being adequate if he's developed the right way. So I think it's really risky. And, like, for a team like the Knicks, like, we know that Tom Thibodeau likes players that are going to want to play both ways. I think he's very far away from that. Like, I don't think he would play over Quentin Grimes, like for at least his rookie year. I think if you take him with a lottery pick, we are like, we know that the Knicks fan base is going to be calling for Tibbs head because they're not, you know, playing their lottery pick. Even if like a young guy like Quentin Grimes is getting those minutes. Uh, so to me, he's the guy I've soured on and, and dropped him down a lot. Cause I'm like, He's really only one side of the floor. I'm a li- I've always been a little weary of how he puts pressure on the rim as a rim attacker um, because he's not very athletic, even though he has good finishing numbers. And I just don't know if the defense is going to be at the point where his good offense is like, like if he, tur- like, I don't think he's going to turn into Chris Middleton offensively. Cause he's not, a- he's not as tall. Like, you know, he's still only like six, four, six, five, even though he's long. So I, I do have, more worries than the consensus on Malachi Branham now. Yeah, it's funny that you bring all that up because we were just talking to uh, the host of Locked On Buckeyes the other day, Jay Stevens from our own network, and he said a lot of the same things. Like we were like, what do you love? He's like, oh, the three-point shooting, the mid-range game. I think he could be a three-level scorer, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, but the defense. (laughs) It's been under-discussed. Malachi's PR team has been phenomenal. He's been getting pretty flawless love uh, for his game, where anytime somebody talks about the defense, they're like, I bet it it can kind of get better. But it's like when you really break it down specifically, you're like, oh, wow, this is like like worst guy in the the first round type defense. Yeah, Yeah. and and he's long, so everybody just says – Right. Oh, he's long, so he can learn. <laughs> you right. know, that's that's also very Kevin Knoxian, if I'm being completely honest. That was something <laughs> that we always told ourselves, too. Like, oh, he's got the perfect yeah. frame. He'll figure it out. Yeah. But some guys, if I mean, if you're not showing baseline competency in college, which that was the other thing that Jay told us the other day. He's like, I would have really thought prior to his late season surge that he would have been much better served coming back for at least one more year mm. of college. So. Uh, but to move to another guy, you know, I, I, my my brain got cooking. A little bit of steam came out of my ears, and I was thinking about it. After you said that you had A.J. Griffin up to three on your board, then I started trying to do some math of, like, 
All right. Well, that means that you probably still have the other consensus top four guys up there, which would mean that your top five is set. And then I started thinking about another name, which is a guy that we talked about the last time you were on, but another guy I'm curious how your perception has evolved on, because I believe we talked before the combine last time uh, where this certain player did not participate. And it's been pretty for being someone who was, you know, hard to put an opinion together on before, you know, the combine and everything, he's made it harder because he didn't do anything in the combine really. And has, uh, as far as I could tell, been doing some team workouts and all that. Anyway, the guy I'm talking about is Shaden Sharp, mm. who is another guy that I think sort of like Griffin, but made for different reasons. There's a chance that he might find himself in the Knicks range now. Um, how are you feeling about him after this, you know, after the combine process and, and the workouts and everything else? Because, I mean, at least when, we, when we've talked to some other people in the, you know, the draft community, specifically we talked to uh, PD Webb and Jake Rosen, who were not super high on him. And, you know, mm. I know that you're super into the high school scouting too. So I'm kind of curious how you feel on this, but they were sort of like, he might not be quite all he's cracked out to be as far as like a, a potential like dynamo number one scoring option. Where are you falling on Sharp right now after the whole draft process and everything? So I would take him like in the seven ish range. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I still feel like I'm a little bit higher than like, it seemed like he was branded as like, he's the fifth guy in this draft. Mm -hmm. And then recently as we get closer to the draft, everyone's kind of like, I think I'm scared to be wrong on him. So I'm going to kind of push him down a little bit because there is no real body of evidence for him. It's literally a shot in the dark. There's, he has some of like the least amount of film that you could find, but I tend to go back to like, there's a reason that he was the number one high school player in his class. Um, he has a, a six, six frame with big, broad shoulders and a seven foot wingspan with unbelievably advanced off the bounce shot, making a smooth shot that allows him to play on or off the ball. Um, and he's just raw. So yeah, it's going to be hard to, talk yourself into maybe taking him over a guy like Jabari Smith or, you know, Paolo Boncaro or Jaden Ivey. But I think once you get past that group, to me, I still see things that are like so natural, like so instinctual that you're like, you're not going to be able to teach that stuff to anybody else. Like you just have that. And it's so fluid at, at his size. It's not like he's six, three. Like when I saw Jaden Hardy in person, who I was really high on coming into the year and I was standing closer to him, I was like, oh, he looks like he's like six, two or like six, three, you know, like he and he's got big, broad shoulders. He's got long arms, um, but he doesn't look like a guy who's going to be able to guard like up positions outside. Maybe he guards some threes like Shaden Sharp is like looks like he's going to fill out and be big enough to like switch on to fours and like hold his own eventually. Now the defense is bad and it's against high school kids. It's EYBL. It's like stuff that you don't really get a read on the nuance and the intricacies. He's a one pass away type of guy. The playmaking is going to need to improve. It took Devin Booker a long time. It took Zach Levine a long time. It's going to take Shaden Sharp a long time. If you're patient, I think he's like a guy that I would kind of, feel good about getting like in that range and taking a shot on because if he didn't reclassify, like there's a chance that he's the number three guy after scoot and Victor Wimbayama next year. 
and you're getting that a year early, it's almost like the Josh Primo like pre-draft theory, only with somebody who's probably uh, got the potential to be an All NBA guy versus you know whatever you know Primo could uh, one day be. So I'm still I'm still in. I'm not as in as I was before because I think I still I too have a little bit of fear. And as I went back to like the top of the draft, I feel a little bit more comfortable with some of those guys right now. But I feel like I'm still a little bit more in than certainly most of the guys that no ceilings are. And I think the the general, you know, draft world. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting, Corey, because I mean, Shaden seemingly is, is, is the single most decisive, div- divisive, excuse me, prospect in this draft. And it, it makes sense when you, when you have such little film on him, I would still like, if he falls to New York at 11, somehow I'd be, I'd be pretty content with them taking a shot on him. Um, but in that, in that area, uh, let's let's finish up, at least on my end, with some rapid-fire superlative questions. So, Alex, we can just bounce back and forth firing these at Corey. I gave Corey about 10 minutes of heads up on these, so, so <laughs> we'll, we'll, see, we'll see if you had these on the top of your head. But um, first one, a little, little nebulous, but I'll let you define this how you want to. Who would you say the best overall shooter in this draft is? Uh, Hyung Jung Lee from Davidson. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. That's... Yeah, he's uh, – I mean, uh, he's uh, a little bit of a sleeper, but – he is very reminiscent as a shooter. I think of like a guy like Duncan Robinson and maybe that's not so valuable in a playoff setting as we've learned, but just from a purely like, can this guy shoot the hell out of the ball? Hyung Jung Lee is knocked down on ridiculous volume, like throughout his entire college career. And he's like six, eight rebounds finishes at the rim. Amazing cutter. Like I, I think he's a pretty big sleeper in the draft. Interesting. Well, we'll throw another sort of nebulous one at you. Who is the most creative player in the draft? Uh, Ryan Rollins from Toledo. Uh, he's just got that New York City West 4th Street playground game. Like he grew up playing pickup. He didn't. He wasn't like in the gym with a trainer. You know, one on o. You know, mapping out, choreographing every decision he makes. He's very much is like has that improvisational, like just smooth like jazz like game. So I, I, w- I would go with Ryan Rollins. A, a lot of people have described me in similar ways, Corey. So I, 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 re- <laughs> I respect that about Ryan. All right. Uh, who would you say has the highest overall offensive skill level in the draft? Uh, the best offensive skill level in the draft. I guess I'll go Paulo. I think I'll go Paulo Boncaro. I, I think, you know, he's one of these guys that like could step onto an NBA floor tomorrow. And like, you would be like, Oh, that guy's one of the best guys. Like um, at least on, you know, as a scorer and as a guy, he's got great playmaking feel. He's there's rumors that he's six ten and a half barefoot now. Like, um, and I think that he very much so could one day play that like Jason Tatum, like lead initiator, but not quite like the guy you want, like, being your playmaker all the time, but like that kind of role. So I, I think I'll, I'll stick with Paulo. So this might, there might be some overlap here, although maybe it's someone different, you know, cause it's a skill level versus feel is a little different, but who's got the best offensive feel in the draft. Uh, I went with Usman Jang here. Hmm. Uh, he's obviously had like tale of two tapes for him. Like the beginning of the year, it was, truly atrocious like that would be your kevin knox type prospect and then in the second half of the year you were like oh wow this guy looks like paul george if he just like couldn't dunk on every single player uh in the league and he does stuff out of the pick and roll at 610 where he's already making those trey young luka Doncic like live dribble weak side hits coming off a ball screen he's it's 
as far as feel goes, I, I don't know if he'll put it all together, although I'm optimistic, but as far as feel goes, uh, I'm going to go with Usman Jang. All right. Uh, who's the best defensive feel in this draft? I'm going to go with Chet. I think that Chet just processes that side of the ball. Like obviously the physical like uh, measurements are ridiculous, whatever they actually are uh, like his wingspan and the length and whatever. But uh, I just think he's also a processor of that side of the ball. And I could see him very much. So having like the Robert Williams effect on every team where he's just going to be roving around the court, seeing things before it happens and just like, causing absolute havoc for for everybody uh scaring them into even attempting shots near the hoop so uh, i'll go with uh, chet there so another similar but not the same question and i have a guy that i'm hoping you say here to to justify my love for him uh <laughs> but who is the most versatile defender in the draft yeah so i i initially wanted to go with chet here but i was like one i don't want to be boring and two like uh, while Chet can like stick point guards, he's not somebody that I would, you know, you want doing that on multiple occasions. Right. So I went with Jeremy Sohan. Um, I, I thought about maybe some other guys, but Sohan, like, I think you saw like in the North Carolina game, like he was able to body up Armando Baycott and then also like be on an Island with RJ Davis and force him into like a really rough shot. So I, I think it shows like his versatility at his size that he can probably go one through five eventually. And he's so young and he's got the coolest hair. So I'll go with him as uh, for that answer. Tough break for your boy, Dyson Daniels, Alex, but he was uh, I'm, one sure, of the, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's in the mix. Yeah, he was in the mix. He was in the mix. Okay, for that's, sure. that's all. That's all you can hope for around award season. All right. Another, <laughs> another one that uh, might be hard to pin down, but uh, who would you say is the best intangibles in this draft? Uh, Either uh, Johnny Hustle Davis or Keegan Murray uh, with a shout out to uh, Jabari Smith Jr. But um, yeah, Keegan or Johnny, I think they're very similar in how they go about their business. Very stoic, you know, uh, focused. Like if you watch them pregame, they are not going to be messing around. Like they're not doing dances on the sideline. Like they're laser focused, ready to prepare for the task at hand. And I think the fact that they were both like they both have a chip on their shoulder from the fact that they weren't these high recruits. Um, I think it kind of, you know, that's where the similarities come from, but I, I would say they have a lot of those intang intangibles. Like you're not going to see a lot of guys who might go in the top seven or eight, like leap into the stands, you know, for a loose ball, like Johnny Davis did uh, this year. So I, I would say those are my two, my two picks. Uh, so this is pretty, pretty simple. Who has the the highest ceiling, or might you say, wink, wink, no ceilings? In this <laughs> oh, he said the title. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Chet. Chet does. I, I, myself, and Tyler Rucker, um, one of the other guys at No Ceilings, we just did a collab piece uh, for on him this week, where we basically made the case that he's the best prospect in the draft. He is a true unicorn, and that I think we're overthinking you know, kind of the player he is because he's skinny and we're worried about him being bodied in the post when like we have two guys who are probably going to do that in the entire league. And if you want to post up Clint Capella against Chet, like have at it, be my guest. That sounds like a terrible game plan from an NBA level head coach. So, uh, and then going back to his offense, like I think he has so much in his bag that he did not show 
at Gonzaga that he didn't have an opportunity because the spacing wasn't as great. He's playing next to a guy who operates in the post and drew Timmy. Um, and I think when, when he gets that extra space, he's going to start showing more of that, like go to spin move off either shoulder um, with a head of steam. He's going to show more of the coast to coast stuff. He's going to show more of the mid range game. You know, he had uh, some really impressive, like Dirk KD, like one legged fadeaway. Uh, moments in the mid post so i highest ceiling for me is like chet is he he's the guy that he who could idealize what his potential is uh just because of his work ethic and his crazy skill level all right now that i i think i know what your answer is um who's the surest bet in this draft <laughs> outside of chet um i'm gonna go with paulo I, I think he's too big he's too skilled and he has too good a feel the the only thing that would derail Paulo from, you know, being a sure thing would be if some of like the intel on him that's not the best. Like I've you know we've had multiple people kind of go like you might want to dig on Paulo a little bit. Like so, I think that it, it, if maybe he got caught up in lifestyle or he let you know he didn't have like the work ethic and he got really out of shape or something. Like preseason, my comparison for him uh, was like Derek Coleman who was, you know, a legendarily talented uh, forward who just kind of underwhelmed because he didn't really want it bad enough. Um, he didn't want to go be the the high potential, like, superstar. That's the only way he fails. And even with that, like, Derek Coleman, like a player like that, he played in the league a long time, you know? So, like, to me, like, his floor is so safe. Like, there's no injury concerns like there might be with Chet because he how is he going to hold up over an 82 game season like as for a safety and sure bet like Paulo to me is he's going to make all-star games like I if if I bet on anybody to make multiple all-star games it's probably him all right final question to send you off on Corey this one's not a quick super superlative one so much as just a general thing here uh, are there any guys, and you could just give, I mean, you don't have to give super detailed explanations, just like little elevator pitches. Mm -hmm. Are there a, a handful of guys that you think the Knicks should be looking at with that 42nd pick in the second round? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you like four quickly. Uh, mm -hmm. Alondis Williams uh, from Wake Forest, ACC player of the year. I think that when you look at point guards today, you want guys with size uh, and he's six, five with, you know, good length. Um, I think that you could probably play him with a guy like Emmanuel quickly because IQ is so good at moving off ball and, and, you know, doing a lot of the stuff that like old school shooting guards do as well. So I think that he could play with some of their other guards. Um, he's got legitimate NBA athleticism. Like there are moments where he looks like Baron Davis, the, sh you know, the shooting off the bounce is definitely a work in progress. It was not good, but uh, I don't think his shot is broken. And I do think that off the catch, he's probably going to end up being a little bit better. So at, I think he's a pretty good shot in the second round. Um, then I'll go with Ryan Rollins. You know, we talked about him a little bit. I just, one, he's very New York. Uh, I think that he's a guy who's like around the 20s for me. So if the Knicks were able to get him, you know, in the 40s, like it's just a value play. I think that he's got one of the more like complete uh, and mature scoring packages. He was 19 years old this year as a sophomore. Uh, and he averaged 19 points a game. He averaged for guys his age. That was the most points um, of anybody. And uh, he's younger than like Ty Ty Washington and some of the other guys in this class. Um, so I think he's a great bet. 
uh, as as a you know worst case, I see him being like a good off the bench scorer. Christian Coloco from Arizona. You know, I, I know that like one of the debates for the Knicks is like, well, what if like they take Jalen Duran or Mark Williams because Mitchell Robinson, they might move on from him. Well, maybe you can get Christian Coloco in the second round and go, you know, a different direction with pick 11 and you could still kind of accomplish what you were trying to with a possible Mitch replacement. I Here's a kid who he, he maybe he's a little bit older as a college player, but uh, he came over to the States like he's from the Cameroon. He played soccer. He's got excellent footwork, so he switched to basketball late. I still think he's got room to grow. I love how he can guard in space. I mean, he really does move like a guy who's 6'8 defensively. Like, his footwork's phenomenal. Great shot blocker. Offense is a little raw, but, like, no one's going to say that Mitchell Robinson is some offensive dynamo. It's like, can you uh, dunk the ball, rim run, you know, catch lobs, like, offensive rebound? Like, I think he's going to be able to do that. So I think if you were looking for a replacement, Coloco would be interesting. Uh, and then Justin Lewis from Marquette, big East guy, six, eight, uh, or six, seven with like a seven, two wingspan. I think he measured out at the combine, uh, good three point shooter, really strong legs and core, like just, uh, an absolute tree trunk, uh, of a, of a base. And I think that he's one of these guys that like Masai Ujiri would, would draft these wings that are versatile. They're going to be able to like, where in a league where it seems like everybody's trending that they want, like six, seven, six, eight wings. I think Justin Lewis could be really good value here. He reminds me a little bit of like the Morris brothers, um, hopefully without like the need to want to fight every single person alive. So uh, those would be like my four that I think are pretty good, like sleeper second round guys that the Knicks could target. All right. Well, thank you so much, Corey. Uh, our guy, Albert, was, was certainly missed. It was a blast. Yes. You're lucky enough. You're, you're going to go see him in like 20 minutes and, and knock out another pod uh, because it's just what you guys have been doing lately. But um, we'd be remiss before we let you go. Can you tell everyone where they can check out all of your fantastic work and everything with no ceilings? Because as I understand it, you guys are going to be doing a live show during the draft. Yeah, we have a, a live show on June 23rd, starting at 7.30 p.m., uh, on our YouTube channel, No Ceilings TV. It's uh, going to be a lot of fun. The whole crew is going to be there. I think we're probably going to be going in like groups of three so we can get everybody uh, on screen and, and rotating throughout. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be doing some other fun stuff. You know, we announced like our partnership with NBA Top Shot. So we might be opening some some NFT packs live on, on air. So maybe we might, you know, we could get like a, a number one LeBron and we might shut the operation down. That might be yeah. the end of no ceilings, you know? <laughs> um, and then uh, we also just put out our official draft guide, uh, which you can get at no ceilings, NBA.bigcartel.com. Uh, 58 prospects, our top 58 prospects, scouting reports, pros, cons, uh, player chemistry, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little, little comparison. So uh, you pick that up there along with uh, we released an entire collection of merch. And uh, for free, we have, you know, the No Ceilings podcast. We have NoCeilingsNBA.com. Uh, you can learn about literally any prospect in this entire draft. We've written probably over 200 articles. Um, and all you got to do is go to the search bar, type in a prospect, and we've definitely written about that player at some point. So you can get as deep as you want, as shallow as you want in this draft. We've written about that player, and that's NoCeilingsNBA.com. Subscribe. It's free. You get it delivered to your inbox Monday through Friday. Yeah, I mean, I've, we, we've said it before on this pod, but you, you guys have been so kind to us. I've now like four or five different people, like six different appearances on this podcast. So it, it's been great. Certainly the newcomers of the year on the NBA draft <laughs> scene. And uh, Corey, I'm sure we'll have you back post-draft to discuss all of this and, and, and see if all this stuff gets proven out. But it was a blast, man, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. I'm, I'm willing to come on anytime, chop it up.
All right, sweet. That is it for this edition of Locked on Knicks. Please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, like, comment, rate, review, all the good stuff. Uh, We love any and all participation on YouTube in particular. But until next time, uh, for Corey, he's Alex. I'm Gavin.